This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This show is presented to you by Empower Your Reality. Empower Your Reality is an online coaching program that helps entrepreneurs and chiropractors level up in life through doubling profits, working less, and leading a more soul-filled life. It's done through one-on-one coaching. We have online courses and also group coaching to help elevate the individual to understand that there's no rules in life except the ones you create. For more information, check out our website. You can find that in the show notes or you can visit empoweryourreality.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, everyone. This is Dr. Vic and welcome back to listening to the Mindful Experiment podcast, whether it's the morning, evening, middle of the day, wherever you are, however you're listening, happy to have you here. I have an awesome guest this week that I had the pleasure of interviewing and I'm not going to pronounce her last name just because I don't want to mess it up, but her first name, uh, full name is Adayinka, which she likes to be called Yinka for short. And we had an awesome dive in conversation, uh, diving into a variety of different things. We talked a little bit about Job and the Bible, King David's top general, and she shares her story from her book that she wrote about this and so much more. Um, we dove into a lot of things about habits and disciplines of level, leader of excellence and how to really strive to that level of excellence. What does it mean? And so much more. 
To dive deep, though, Yinka is a former financial service services professional turned into an author and excellence strategist and excellence coach. Her goal and life's purpose is to equip leaders with transformational habits and systems of excellence. Uh, Ada Yinka believes that excellence is choosing to rise above average or mediocrity. Uh, me- mediocrity. Mediocrity. Anyhow, apologies. A person or organization will start to see measurable improvements and results once a concrete decision is made to rise above being average. She helped many to, uh, helped many to obtain outstanding measurable results through teaching and equipping them with dynamic habits and systems of excellence. We talk all about excellence. So if you're looking to level up and be at another level in your own life and to level to that level of excellence and to be that way, tune in, take some notes. I'm excited to share with you guys. Here is the excellent strategist, Yinka. Yinka, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show, Dr. V. I'm excited to have you on. I know we were just talking a little bit. I know you're, you are someone who discusses a lot about excellence and how to do that and how to create that. And I'm just uh, excited to dive in, pick your brain and, and learn your systems and what you do and how you help people with that. So thanks for taking the time. But more importantly, thanks for taking the time to share it with all of us here at the Mindful Experiment. Um, my listeners already know I'm not going to mess around. So I want to get right into this. Tell me, your story, how did you get into what you're doing? What inspired you to focus on excellence and leadership and all the things that you're doing? Right. Um, yes. Yeah, so my story goes all the way back to, I will say, 2002, 2004. So, um, I moved to the United States from England where um, I did my undergrad in 2001. And shortly after that, I started grad school. Um, Right before I finished grad school, business school, I had um, a great job lined up with one of the largest investment banks in the world. It was a dream role and, you know, all was well. So I already, so as soon as I was done with grad school, um, started working in this um, financial services organization. I loved working in that space. All was well. Um, and then I worked in the financial services space from 2004 up until 2009 when the Great Recession hit. And I don't know if you remember, but the financial services sector was one of the hardest hit sectors back then. So I lost my job. Well, everyone in my department really did. Um, I found I was heavily pregnant with my second child. My husband and I were with my second child um, shortly before then. We just purchased our home as well. So I found myself without a job. And I just, all of that, all of those different factors coupled together, but on a deep sense of anxiety. I didn't know a lot of what I know now. So I just found myself in this pit of just hopelessness, not even knowing how to move forward or what to do. All I could just envision was the worst, the worst. I I kept thinking, oh, we're going to, you know, end up homeless and just the worst of the worst. My husband would say to me, you know, it'll be fine. We'll work our way through this. No, I couldn't even see past, you know, what the the day by day. So um, it was at a routine uh, pregnancy checkup. I went to the OBGYN and I remember on this day, um, on this particular day, I think I was about eight months along, something like that, seven and a half months. And so after, you know, checking all the vitals and everything, so he pulled me into his office and he had this puzzled look on his face and I thought, oh, you know, what? And he was like, sit down, just sit down. 
So he sat there and he, he goes, what is going on? And I thought, you know, I thought I had everything well covered. I was like, nothing. He was like, no, no, there's something going on. And he, he said to me, he said, whatever it is that you're doing, you need to stop. He said, you, you need to stop. So I was like, well, there's nothing going on. You know, everything's been fine. And then he looked me squarely in the face and said to me, Yinka, um, this, your stress levels are through the roof. You just need to stop what you're doing. And he said, I would hate for you to develop severe complications this far along in your pregnancy. Dr. Vick, that was a wake-up call. Um, the last night I thought I said, with everything else going on, I do not want to lose my baby. I, you know, I, I don't want to add on to that. And I remember, um, you know, just driving home from that visit and, um, oh, I have to, let me, let me add this. So what I thought, what the doctor um, didn't know or what I thought I had masked very well was um, I've been waking up in the middle of the night, just sweating profusely, just worrying. And then, you know, just trying to figure things out. And then I would go back to bed and just, you know, carry on as if there was nothing. And I thought I had that well covered, but no, like my body and everything else was showing otherwise. So on the ride home that day, I just had to deeply reflect. And that um, reflection carried on for the next couple of days, literally. And I just, I remember just saying to myself that I do not want to ever find myself in this situation again, ever. And I didn't know how, I didn't have answers, but I just knew that I would do better. So I remember um, just basically just focusing heavily on, you know, self-development, personal development. And it's been a journey that has carried on from 2009 up until today. And it was during that time on that journey that I found clarity, that I realized that my self-worth back then, my self-worth, um, was defined by the status, by you know the degrees, the the roles, how much I earned, and then when that was stripped away from me, it was it was nothing. It was I couldn't even I had nothing to define myself by. Um, it was on that journey that I found um, that I I discovered the principles of excellence that I you know now teach my clients um, that I still apply to my life on a on a daily basis just because I know that they work. And it was, you know, during that time as well, on that journey that I found my my company ways of excellence. And that um, has brought me to where I am today. Just basically the biggest takeaway from all of that was just that um, just doing better, um, the the principles, the disciplines, the habits of excellence that I that I discovered over time. Um, applying them to my to my life, you know, to my family, my relationships, and just seeing the results. And I've gone ahead um, to apply those principles to change lives, change businesses. So, yes, that's how I got to where I am today. I love your story. I've been there. I know your feelings. I know where every day you're just looking at what's in front instead of the long term vision. So, uh, I commend you with that. It takes a lot of grit and a lot of like you know trust with self. Would you say in that essence? Because it's it, you know you had that wake up call, right? Doctor tells you this. You're like, okay, enough of this. And then you have to depend on something, right? Because your whole world was shattered to a degree. And when I say whole world, I mean, um, you know, our mind has constructs that believe, you know, or your brain has a, we, some people call it the ego, but it's, it's a construct that says, hey, um, this is life. This is how life is. This is what you should do. And this is like cultural programming is what I call it. Like you said, you have to have the degrees and this and that, like, and I, and I know exactly how that feels. And then when that, when that becomes not true, then you're like, your body, you're, you go into a state of fear because it's like, wait a minute, this is what it was all about. And then you have to self-create yourself in a different way. 
what was the first step you started to take? I know you talked about excellence and things like that, but what was something that um, you kind of like said, like, I know for myself, when uh, my journey was, it was financial in a sense, and I started a business, I had a vision, everything was going well. Uh, I mean, I was, I was trying to get things up and running. I didn't have funds to start the business. I didn't have, uh, I had, you know, I'm starting my chiropractic business. I took a quarter of a million dollars in debt uh, and uh, for school and all the other stuff. And then I'm like, okay, how I got to make this work somehow. And, and uh, long story short, it, it, it came to a point where I had to make a decision and end up going bankrupt. But long story short, it's, it's one of those things where I knew, like you said, I'm never going to come back here again. Like, I'm going to make this a teaching moment. And then from there, I had to look and say, okay, well, what can I depend on? What is something that I can look at within and say, well, this is what I'm going to focus on. And I'm just going to go all in. Well, did you have that kind of a moment? Or was it something where it was like, um, you know, uh, how, how did you, what was the first thing or multiple things that you had to depend on to say, here's the path of excellence. Here's how I'm going to go and go that route. Right. Um, that's a great question, Dr. Vick. So I think for me, well, a couple of factors, a couple of components um, played a big role to getting me to where I am right now. So I'll say one of the first things was, you know, I'm a person of faith. Um, I believe a lot on the, the teachings of the Bible, um, teachings of Jesus Christ. So I leaned in heavily into my faith. Um, during that time, because I found hope. I could lean on those promises. I was just like, okay, well, okay, this is what the word says. I'm just going to let this play out in my life. And so I was able to really lean in um, to my faith, you know, just really, just, I read the Bible heavily during that time. And then for, I think finances, just like you, finances was a big one because, you know, there was no financial discipline whatsoever. Like, earning all this money and we were just spending it as fast as we could. But, like, we didn't really, my husband is more frugal, but um, but we didn't have the kind of um, financial, the, the foundation, the disciplines that we have now. So I know the first thing for me was, okay, you know, everything that, that was learnable, everything that we could learn to make us better financial stewards, we would learn it. So be it. So we took courses. We read books, and we did all of this together. Like we read books and all of that. And then, and then I realized that okay. So as I improved on one area of my life, and like you know pulled out the the, the principles, and I'm like, oh okay, I could move on to another area of life and apply that, and moved on to you know like health, for example. Just you know, there's so many studies. I'm sure you probably know this that it doesn't. Even 20 minutes of exercise a day, for example, will make you feel great for the next 12 hours. And it was just, you know, just that ripple effect. So big part of it, my faith, and then just applying the principles to different areas of life. I love that. Faith and discipline is basically what I'm hearing from you. And yes. then, and then, so how did you, cause you know, a lot of times, you know, I hear Tony Robbins say this, right? You can take all my money, you can take everything away from me, but then eventually at the end of the day, I still have my voice and I'll still, I'll come back. And right. it, it's one of those things that, you know, some people hear that because some people sometimes, and this was my ne negative limited belief system on money was, is like, a lot of people have money. It's just their luck. They just end up, you know, they're just lucky. And that's how they, they, the luck leans towards them until I had to create my own world and, I, and my own wealth. And then it was like, okay, it's all on me. It's what I'm doing. It's the work I'm doing that makes this happen. So what is, what are some of the things that, you know, what are some of those habits that you started to develop to lead to the excellence in your life to what you wanted to see? What was that beginning point that you, or what's the starting point? And what is like one of the, some of those habits that you would uh, recommend someone who's listening and they may be in somewhat of a similar situation that you were in. And what are some things that you can say, okay, this is, this is my, this is how I help individuals uh, to a certain degree um, create habits 
to to create excellence? Because would you, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing a couple questions here all at once, um, because would you also agree that um, anyone can have excellence? It's not luck. It's not just a choice. I mean, it's not a, it's not chance. It's more of a choice. It's yeah, it's definitely a choice. You have to be deliberate. You have to be intentional um, about becoming a person of excellence. So actually I wrote them down so I wouldn't, because this question comes up a lot. So sometimes I forget some, and but this time around I wrote everything down. All right, so I'll say one of the first, I guess, you, discipline, so to speak, is um, choosing to be the best where you are right now. You know, for me, it wasn't the, the journey back to where I am right now. And it's still, it's still a journey. It wasn't a linear one. It was, I mean, there were so many humbling experiences along the way, you know, um, even with all the degrees and certification, it, it still took a while to get back to where we are right now. Um, but, you know, one, one of the things that I learned, um, the very first thing that I learned was wherever, it, wherever you are, just choose to be your best there. Why? Because, you know, there are universal principles, you know, um, a lot of a lot of my principles, disciplines are uh, biblically based, but then a lot of them are universal principles as well. You don't have to be a believer. You don't have to be a person of faith. But these principles, if you apply them, they work, irrespective, they work. So say, for example, you, I don't know, maybe you like, you know, you have an MBA or whatever, you know, you're, you know, you're very well accomplished. And then for whatever reason, you find yourself in this, um, this position that you, you know that is way beneath you, but for whatever the circumstances are at that time, that's where you are. You know what? Be the best you are then. Because what you're doing is you're, it's almost as though you're sowing seeds in just a matter of time. So like, it's almost as though once you pass that test, then you'll be entrusted with more. So just being the best of where you are, wherever you find yourself, even if you find yourself at the pinnacle of success, you know, be the best leader. And it's not just, oh, you know, saying it, just look for ways to do that. You know, go read books, be skilled at what you do, but just be the very best at what you at what you do. Um, I'm just going to share just a very quick story, if that's okay with you, Dr. Vic, that puts, um, that analyzes this very well. All right. So there's a, I'm sure you're familiar with, you know, David, the popular King David. So what, right before he became um, the popular King that he's known to be now, he was, he was a shepherd. He was a lowly shepherd. He was the last of eight brothers. His father, you know, sent him to take care of the family's, um, the sheep and cows and whatnot. But, you know, while he was there, he, like, he had a pension for playing the harp and he had, he was just very good at what he did. And unknown to him though, he was being watched, but he didn't know that. He took care, he did his job, his lowly job. He did it very, very well. But then um, there was a time when the sitting king at the time, King Saul, he had some kind of mental issues and um, his attendants said to him that, oh, you know, if we, if we can find someone that can play the harp very well, that might soothe you. And then the king agreed to, to them looking for someone. Do you know the, the attendants who are, these are the senior advisors of the king. The first, even before the words even finished coming out of the king's mouth, one of the attendants said, you know something, I know someone. He said, I know someone. He said, you know, his name is David. And then he just went down his resume, basically. And, um, and it was like, and as soon as it was done, the king was like, yes, you know, I want to meet this person. Go get that person. But, you know, David didn't know that this man, I'm guessing maybe, you know, on his way home, he passes by where David watches the flock of sheep or whatever. Mm. We don't know. We don't, we're not told that. But this man had been watching him for a while. So he knew he was a person of excellence. He knew that he was someone 
worthy enough to stand before and work for a king. So, um, yes, and I've seen that play out over and over and over and over again in my own life. So that's number one. Um, number two, the motives. The motives for why you do what you do. I had to get to a place of where, of where I, um, I, like, what is my why? At the time, you know, I had no why. That's why when the rug was pulled from underneath me, I, I, I had no sense of identity. So I had to redefine myself. I had to get to a place of where I knew that I was enough. And why do I, you know, why do I do what I do? Because I want to set um, a new standard, not just for myself, but for my kids, for my family, a standard of excellence. You know, there are different ways of doing things, but there's an excellent way of doing things. And the excellent way, as far as I'm concerned, is the better way. That's the way that I've seen yield results for me and I know, and for others as well. I mean, I can go on and on and on, um, but those are those those are two examples of disciplines um, that, that helped. I think the story you shared with David and King Saul and all that stuff is absolutely... Um, it's, it, it brings to presence a lot of times in the world today. I talk a lot about, um, you know, don't be a one hit wonder, be one of those artists that are like, you know, like a Michael Jackson, like the Beatles, like the Beatles are, you know, 50 years ago, they played, you know, 50, 40, 50 years ago. And still to the day I could talk to, I talk to when I work with kids in the office and I'll be like, you know, the Beatles, six, eight year old. Yeah, I know the Beatles. I know Michael Jackson. I'm like, they're not even here anymore. And yet they're still continuing on. And I think that's the story where you just. It's 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 about like you know just focusing long term rather than short term, and, and I see that a lot in today's era where it's like how fast can I make a short term twist? How can I fast make the short term, short term, short term? And instead, it's like hey, if you just focus on the long term, yeah, you may not get that fast success, you may not get there quick, but you'll have long-term success where it just all of a sudden will work out for you and where you build that f- solid foundation. Cause you know, your why I can feel that. I know the listeners are listening to you and they can hear that, you know, it's that, that deep conviction, like this is why I do what I do. I'm setting a, an example, excuse me, an example, not just for myself, my kids, that's your legacy there. And so um, I love that. So that's the, when you're looking at that, it's, it's a, just to sum that all up, then it's basically, you know, you have to focus on something, do something and be, do your best at that no matter what, right? I love when you said that because to me, that's acceptance, right? You're accepting, and tell me if I'm wrong. I'm just, I'm just interpreting what you're saying. And it's like, you're accepting where you are and say, this is where I'm at right now. And this is the best I'm going to do at this moment. And then I'll, everything else will, as long as I keep doing that, I'm planting my seeds and my harvest will eventually come one day. Right, right. And I just want to add to that as well. Yes, you know, it's acceptance, but it's not just so much, oh, you know, this is what I'm doing right now and this is it. It's what you said about having that long-term view as well. Just, um, and going back to the story of David and, you know, he had his brothers, his brothers all served, they were all soldiers, they were, you know, highly decorated soldiers. And I'm sure he probably felt, you know, slighted, you know, like everyone else, everyone had the, um, the honorable roles, but then he was the one that had like the, you know, like the, the lowliest of the lowliest of roles, you know, but um, he didn't let discontentment set in. He just thought, okay, this is where I'm right now. I know that I'm made for more, but while I'm here, I'll do my best. And it was so funny because I just, um, I talked about this the other day. I made a post about this the other day. 
where I was, you know, how I, I was on social media and, um, and I stumbled upon a page of a lady that I, I admire greatly. And, you know, sometimes if you're not, if you're not careful, if you don't gather hard, I find myself thinking, oh, you know, like I have all these lofty dreams and whatnot. It just feels like it's taking forever, but I had to quickly catch myself. I had to guard against ingratitude and um, discontent because I know how far um, we have come from. And I also know that, you know, I know better. I know that, um, you know, I can't compare my level four or chapter four to someone else's chapter 20. You know, there's no shortcut to it. It's a process. So I, you know, I, I was sharing this um, the other day. I said, so yes, what I'm going to do, which I've always done is I'm going to celebrate those at their level 30. I'm going to learn from them, celebrate them. But what I'm not going to do is allow discontentment or ingratitude or any of that to get into me and poison me because the motive, because once that gets into you, it just, it poisons everything else. You might think, oh, just like the same way I thought I had all the anxiety and the stress covered when I was pregnant. Um, you might think you have it covered, but you know, this, your subconscious, you can't deceive your subconscious. It seeps out into the way you act, the way you talk. It seeps out into everything. And no, we don't want any of that. So, um, so yes, be content, do your best where you are right now, but still with that long-term view. Um, if I don't know what your goals are, because I'm a big believer in setting goals and lofty goals as well. But so keep working and keep, you know, taking the necessary steps that will get get you to where you ne- need to get to. But while you're here right now, be do your very best. Do your very best. If you're working for someone, be the best employer. If um, you're running your business, run it with such excellence. Have great customer service. Offer quality services. Of that, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that's, you know, and it, it is important. You got to have that vision or that goal and, and multiple goals, I always say too, because it's like one of those things where you have to have, you got to know, you got to, you know, being your best here, we got to continue to know like, hey, this is where I want to go and I'm going to do all that I can here to, to create that as a reality. Is there other things? So is self-talk a habit you have to monitor? Like it is, I know that came up a little bit, like, you know, that you're, and I know exactly how you feel like level four, level 20. It's like, yeah, I, I've been there. Like, I'm like, man, how do I, look at them at 20. How, how do I, that's a big gap. I can't understand that. How can I get there? Um, and then I start self-judging myself and it's like, hold on, hold on. Let's just take where I'm at. They probably have been where I'm at before. Um, so is that a habit? Is that something you also recommend and uh, how to monitor that? And, and, and what do you do to kind of like it? Because our brain loves to go negative. So, I mean, not loves to. It's just uh, <laughs> easier to go that route, right? It's a lot easier to look that way because your brain's always looking for what's wrong. Uh, and and, and uh, how do you do that? And how do you create that that shift in that conversation? Um, that's, a, that's a fantastic question because I'm such a big believer in um, – Again, being cognizant of the kind of the words that we speak, I believe strongly that with our words we create our world. So, um, affirmations are such a big part of my daily discipline, my daily routine. Affirmations, and because I'm sure you know this, Doctor Vic, like we, you know, we talk to ourselves all the time. We have we talk to ourselves all the time, and if we're not, again. Um, intentional, if we're not um, cognizant of the kind of things we say, a lot of it is, it's a lot of self-defeating stuff, like, you know, comparing ourselves to others and things like that. So just basically setting your day, like in the mornings, affirmations. I, I I strongly believe that everyone should have a set of affirmations that they repeat to themselves daily, that sort of reflects, you know, the world that they're trying to 
create basically um you know i'm a i'm a person of excellence i'm disciplined um i'm a i'm a great wife i'm a great mother you know think whatever it is for you whatever it is for you um today's gonna be a fantastic day you know i'm great to handle whatever comes my way today you know that prepares you and then what if you do that long enough you realize that once you um once those negative thoughts come and then if you once you find yourself dwelling on them you quickly catch yourself and then, you know, you replace that with the thought. And sometimes it might, it might mean you saying it out aloud. Because like, once you say it out aloud anyway, um, you break that thought, the thought immediately. So, yes, I'm a big believer in just um, using your words to create the world that you want and speaking positively. I love that. And is it, you know, because sometimes I've had people asking and they're like, well, what if you're saying the affirmation, but in the back of that mind, that little voice is like, yeah, right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Keep saying that to yourself. <laughs> how do you, how do you deal with that? Cause I know that pops up from time to time. Right. Okay. So once you're, um, even with the affirmations, you know, faith without works is dead. So I don't know, whatever it is that you're believing for, if you, if you have your set of affirmations, um, that speak to that, you better make sure you're doing the work as well. Make sure you're doing the work. You're working towards those goals. There's no point in just saying it. There's no, it's not magic. It's not just going to happen, but make sure you're doing the work. Okay. This is one thing that I strongly, strongly believe in is this. I'd rather focus on the positive and use my words to do that than to give voice to the negative, because this is what happens. I strongly believe that once we have a mindset, um, and this, I'm talking about hope actually, because what you're doing is whenever you, um, you say those words, those affirmations, you're hoping, you're believing for a better tomorrow and you're using your, your, your words to declare that. However, even if you get those, um, those voices of doubt, you know something? If you, yes, the vo we, can't, we can't help that, but then we have control over what we give audience to. If you choose to dwell on those voices of doubt, you just find yourself spiraling down into, a, into you know, like an abyss where you don't want to get into. But then once you use your, as you use your words to um, focus, to speak into that better tomorrow, um, use, use your words to declare hope for a better tomorrow. This is what happens. I and you know, I've seen this in my life as well. Your subconscious, like you're saying, you're telling your mind to go look for ways to make that happen, to go look for ways to, um, you know, get the solutions to help you get to where you need to be, basically, as opposed to, you know, you're giving voice to the negative. Well, that's what your subconscious is going to focus on. So I would rather use my voice to speak hope into my future. So that way I'm teaching or retraining, um, reconditioning my subconscious to look for ways and to steer my, the totality of my being to go look for ways to make those dreams, those goals, the vision come to pass. I love that. And you're just, you're programming the subconscious mind, right? As simple as yeah, that. You're yeah. And then once you can get there, because 95% of people are living, uh, they're letting their subconscious mind dictate their life. So it's one of those things like, um, if they can, if you can get to that programming side of things and all of a sudden now you've created a habit, right? That is now automatically looking for success or automatically looking for whatever it is that you're programming it to be. 
Um, and you may have talked about this earlier, but I wanted to ask this question. You know, what are some like, because I know you talk a lot about leadership too, and I want to make sure I discuss on that also, is what are some qualities that uh, a, a successful leadership a leader should have? Like what are the, and I know we probably maybe broke, like I said, talked a little bit about this, but um, I would love to ask that question and then start diving deep into that. Right. That's a great question. And, you know, I cover a lot of this in my book, um, Joab, King David's top general. I don't know if you know anything about Joab, but he's, you know, I get this question all the time. He is one of the, he's like one of the bad boys of the Bible. And everyone always goes, why do you even write about someone like that? Um, In Joab, I saw great qualities, core values that make uh, great leaders. And from his life story, I also um, saw characteristics that we need to see and stay clear from so we don't end up the way he did and make some of the mistakes that he did. So um, I think the number one thing as a leader is a leader has to have a deep love for for all of humanity. I know, yes, you know, we have a lot of leaders that say that, you know, I, I love learning about leaders. I I think one of my favorite things to do is to read biographies about different leaders, CEOs and all of that. I just love learning about them. And um, the, the ones that have been very successful at what they do is just, just they have a deep love for humanity. Because it's one thing to say it, but then if you don't, if, it's, you, know, if, if, it's, if you haven't really um, worked on that part, you know, your actions will say otherwise. You can say it, you can announce it to the world from now till tomorrow, but your actions will dictate otherwise. So just having a, a deep love for humanity. Number two, I think I touched about this. Uh, I touched on this briefly before. As a leader, you need to be skilled at what you do. It's not because leaders carry a huge sense of responsibility and influence. When they make decisions, it doesn't just affect them of those closest to them. Hundreds, hundreds of thousands and millions, okay? So as a leader, you want to be ensured that you're skilled at what you do. If you're not skilled at what you do, make sure you have those, those surrounding you, your closest advisors, make sure they are, they are the very best, the very best that we can get in the country, in, the, you know, in, the, in your sphere of influence. But you want to be good at really what you do. And um, I would say... A leader should have solid core values, solid core values, so that, and those core values should be such that people know what you stand for. People know what you stand for. So you don't want a, a, a leader um, who, you know, again, says one thing, which, you know, sadly we see that a lot, says one thing and then does something totally different. But you should be, be the kind of leader that, you know, you've, you've done the work, you've done the inner work. So people know what you stand for. So that even when um, people come to you and maybe they even, you, they come to you that with maybe, I don't know, things that are so contrary to your beliefs, your core values, um, it's, it's an immediate no. They're doing, we're not even entertaining it in any way. It's an immediate no. Um, I'm gonna, I want to share a very quick example. Do we have time for that, to share a quick example? Okay, so this example is from my book. Um, Joab, King David's top general. So there's that famous story of, you know, David um, committing adultery with Bathsheba. And then, um, so basically what happened is, so <laughs> Bathsheba gets pregnant and David, now he's the king, you know, this puts him in a very precarious situation because um, he's just impregnated um, the wife of one of his 
one of his um, senior officials pulls away a war defending the, the kingdom. So David tries different ways to try to, you know, cover up what he's done. Everything fails. And then he had, he resorted to murdering um, Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. And then the way he set it up, you know, he told Uriah, who didn't know, he invited him back to the kingdom from the battlefield, gave him his, I guess, his death sentence letter told him to take the letter back to Joab. Joab is David's second in command. Told him to take the letter back to Joab and told, basically said to Joab, position him in a place where he'll be easily killed on the battlefield. End of story. You know something? Joab was a powerful man. Jo Joab had the ear of the king. Joab was a man of influence. Joab could stand up to the king. And we saw that in, his, in the story. But Joab didn't do anything. Joab was looking for brownie points or whatever from his boss. And he just went along with the plot to murder an innocent man. And, and it brings me back to this. Why did David even think it was okay to ask Joab to do that? Because Joab, he knew who Joab was. He knew that Joab would be a person that would easily do something like that because he didn't have strong core values. A leader with strong core values wouldn't have, no one would come to him with that kind of thing. If Joab had, highly defined strong core values, quality characteristics of a great leader. Um, nobody will come to you and say, go help me kill someone. They wouldn't, even, even if they were having a meeting and that thought even came up, everyone there would say, oh, no, no, no. He's going to say no. Let's not even bother with him. He's going to say no. So as a leader, you have to be that kind of person. People need to know what you stand for. So they wouldn't bring rubbish your way, um, as I put it. I like that. It's, it, you know, core values. I think it's huge. I think everyone has to have, I call it a code, but it's like things because if you think of like programming in a computer, when you put the code in, the code just does what it does. It's not going to go outside itself. It's going to do just that. And that's core values, right? You're saying Joab stayed to, he knew that, you know, telling him, Hey, you, you, I know you're looking for brownie points, whatever it may be, instead of being like, you know, that doesn't seem right. Like I get that, but this is what we stand for. Um, that's your issue. That's, or we know what I mean? Like, being more right. principle based on that. Um, and I think I, I totally agree. I think leaders need to do that and, you know, and show, because like in today's world, unfortunately, we don't, we don't, we don't, well, I like you, like you, I, I've read a lot. I love reading about biographies on leaders, leaders and so forth. It's just because you get to see like who they really were. And then you're like, wait a minute, they're not. Okay. I, I see a lot of characteristics that I have. Okay. All right. This is possible then. All right. And it gives me that like hope and that belief, like, all right, cool. I can, I can achieve to that level. Um, but yeah, getting back to that, it, it's, and, and is there like a certain type of core value? Like, um, or I know core values are different for everybody in a certain degree, but do you do stuff like picking out your values and saying, here's things that you should like, like give advice on. If you want to be excellent, you have to have, you have to know what your values are and what's important to you or something like along those lines. Um, well, I mean, there, it, it depends on the individual, basically. But the one thing I will say this, make sure they are good values. Make sure, you know, whatever values that you're setting for yourself, make sure they are good values. Because again, I think number one, just really doing the, um, the work, just looking deep within, the introspective work of knowing who you are as a leader. Knowing that, um, like I said before, you know, the decisions and everything that you do, it doesn't just affect you, it, um, it affects others. There's a, there's a very popular African proverb that goes something like this. When a large tree in a forest, like if you have a huge tree in, a, in an Amazon forest, for example, or say a redwood, if it falls, it doesn't just fall by itself. You don't just have, oops, it just fell and 
No, it takes several other trees down with it. It causes you, you it, when a light tree falls in a forest, you know that a light tree has fallen because it affects, you know, there's damage, you know, all around. It affects everything around it. So as a leader, you need to know that. You need to really know the people that you've been called to serve, you know. So this is not just to serve your own selfish ambitions. You've been called to serve. You need to know, the, you know, the people that you've been called to serve. Like, how can I, I always looking for ways to better serve them. And, um, and then just, you know, showing up as your best daily. I don't think, I think it's just, you can't go wrong with that. Just showing up as your best daily. When you're not sure or when you, um, when you're not sure when you need help, be humble enough to go seek the help. Um, you don't know, just because you're a leader doesn't mean you know it all, you know, get the help that you need. And, um, you know, the, the thing with leadership is this, you know, it's the leadership, because at the end of the day, the buck stops with the leader. Leaders are the ones that make those decisions that make a break. And sometimes, you know, when a leader makes a, you know, takes a huge risk and it's successful, you know, we celebrate the, the leader. And sadly, sometimes, you know, they, you know, they make um, decisions because they, they're fallible. They're fallible human beings, too. They're fallible human beings, too. Sometimes they make decisions but because of the influence and the responsibility. Um, the effect of the failure of that decision is magnified 100 times over. And I think, you know, it's important for us to, to learn from that. And what we hope, because we are fallible human beings, even when we apply, even when we apply all the, the disciplines, the habits and everything, we are still prone to mistake. But what we want to do is to make, uh, as a leader, get to that point of where you're making more and more better decisions and, you know, fewer and fewer bad decisions. You know, because if you're a leader where, you know, anytime you make a big decision, um, it's a failure. Then, the, the, of course, you know, you make decision after decision, it's a failure. Then, of course, they mean there are a lot of under, deep underlying issues. Leadership is complex. Um, leaders, uh, leaders are complex individuals. But, yeah, just knowing who you are and just whatever core values that you determine for yourself, your organization, the people you've been called to serve. Make sure they are good ones and make sure they are for the benefit of those you've been called to serve. I love that. I couldn't agree more with you with that. Um, when it comes to, because we this has come up a couple of times now where it's like show up to be your best. My question for you is then, what is it about people that don't do that, right? Because like I'm in the health world, uh, I'm in the mindset world and coaching, but it, it, when it comes to the health world, right? Like I always tell people, like when I'm talking to patients, I'm like, you can already know what you need to do when it comes to like eating better. I don't, I can share some tips and tricks and new science and what things, you know, different programs and different things. But at the end of the day, you know, you got to eat better and move better. Like that's two principles that are going to help change your life and sleep better, right? That's three. And I'm like, everybody knows this. Like, there's not like, uh, it's not rocket science, but, but when it comes to people actually, even though they know it, the actions don't show up. So when it comes to being your best, what are some things, one, two, three, whatever it may be, um, uh, didn't even know that rhymed. Um, but long story short, what is it that would be why people don't show up doing being their best? What, what is something you think that the reason why? Um, you know, it could be a variety of reasons, a variety of reasons. It could be the environment because, you know, your environment plays a huge role, too. If you're surrounded by people who just don't, they don't think um, maintaining a healthy lifestyle is a big deal then eventually you'll follow suit you know we all know we know that we're the sum total of the five individuals that we surround ourselves 
with. And um, yeah, so that's a huge one. Your environment, the people that you surround yourself with, that's very important. Number two, it could, you know, it could be like a deeper underlying issue. You know, is it maybe the person is suffering from depression? Because a lot of times I'm just coaching, you know, I'm a coach, but then, you know, there are times when people do need therapy. Like I've had clients, I've said to them, like, you know something, I think you, you should explore therapy in this area. This is beyond, you know, the scope of what I can help you with. You know, this is, this is just, this is beyond your, your business or what, like therapy, because people, I mean, for, so many different reasons and there and we have people as well that basically what they need to do is just tweak a few things in their lives you know tweak their habits a bit here and there and then be consistent and be committed to it and they start to see the results because that's a that's a huge one too because yes you know we can get pumped up and you know learn new things and then start to do it but then we don't commit if we're not consistent. Or if you think, oh, okay, after two weeks, well, you know, I still feel the same way. And then people just give up. People give up because everyone's looking for a fast way, you know, um, take this pill and then lose 10 pounds or whatever. But it doesn't, life doesn't work that way. You have to be committed. You have, you know, it's a journey. You have to be committed to it. So just, again, getting their mindset to that place of where they're disciplined enough to um, commit to it and then see it play out over the long term and that could be because uh, that could be even um looking for an accountability partner if you feel that you're you know you're very you have uh, natural low motivation levels you know get an accountability partner just someone to you know um hold you responsible accountable to those things that you say that you want to do and um i think finally education as well education as well just really not understanding just not knowing so i think where you have um because knowledge is powerful so where you you know where you see when a person is exposed consistently to the knowledge the information of the repercussions of their actions good or bad that that's enough to um cause them to make the necessary changes that are needed in their lives Humans, for some weird reason, we have to be get sick and tired, get knocked on our knees and be sick and tired of being on our knees to eventually that's where we make the choice. Don't ask me why it has to be that way, but most of the time, that's where our biggest inspiration comes from. Now, I, could, I, could, I couldn't agree with you more on all that. Um, before we wrap up, I want to be able to give the listeners a chance how they can connect with you. How can they get your, your book, Job King David's Top General, all that yeah. good stuff. Um, please go ahead and share away. Right. Wonderful. Well, um, my book, Joab King Davis Top General, um, you can, it's available on Amazon um, and everywhere where books are sold online, um, Walmart and Barnes and Noble, everywhere books are sold online. You can find that there. Um, my website, if you go to my website, it's my full name, yinkaadibili.com. Um, you'll learn more about me and um, there's a, a whole ton of fun stuff on there. And then on the different social media platforms as well. I'm on Instagram, um, Facebook, LinkedIn as Ways of Excellence, as Ways of Excellence. So yeah, those are places where you can find me. 
And for all the listeners, I will have that in the show notes and so much more. Um, Yinka, this was great. Um, I love how you brought the biblical stuff there. Uh, I, I, I was born and raised a Roman Italian Catholic, read the Bible twice, but I forgot most of the stories. So it's kind of fun. I read them like 20 years ago um, when I was in high school. And so uh, it was nice to hear the stories. I'm like, okay, I got to get back to the Bible and just read some of those things because it's interesting stories and it, you can use those for correlations and all that good stuff. So, uh, but I appreciate the work you're doing. Um, I love how you say bring you know, people have to show up to be their best at where they are and excellence. I think that's what we need more into the world. So continue that light shining bright. And thanks for taking time to be with us. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Vic. Thank you for having me on your show. It was, that was such a great conversation. Thank you. And thank you so much for what you do as well. Thank you for, I mean, your, your podcast is amazing. It is amazing. So thank you for what you do, for adding such great value to the whole, the whole of your humanity. So thank you. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling. Hey, welcome to the Next Wave Podcast. Consider us your chief AI officer in your business. My name is Matt Wolf. I have the number one YouTube channel in the AI space. I also run futuretools.com and I'm joined by my co-host, Nathan Lands, founder of lore.com. We want to bring you the latest AI news and trends, show you how you can use AI in your business and personal life and help make it super easy for you to understand and execute. We're going to equip you with the knowledge to thrive in this upcoming wave of change. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.